Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. Something for which you should thank the Lord every day. Oops, Carrie's making a face. Oh, is it on? Is this working? Because I don't want to say this would have ruined everything, but it would have ruined everything. We're joined today in our live studio audience by Marius, my dad. And Carrie, who's drunk. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the next shows that I want to do are requiring more research than I frankly have had time for, right? Like, I want to do a thing on good pope, bad pope. And you know what I want to call it? Did I tell you this, Carrie? Pope Puri. I like that. We're going to do a series called Pope Puri. Because some of the popes, like, I shouldn't just focus on the bad ones. Because there's been some home run hitters. I mean... Like, think of John Paul II just in our lifetime, right? Think of Benedict. Uh, think, ah, I could go on and on. And then you got the greats. There's Leo the Great and John, no, Leo and Gregory the Great. And then there was Buck Falcon the Great, but he's a lesser known pope. Okay, I made that up. And if you're ever like, well, what about the bad popes? Just look up the Borgias. That's a lot of them. So we're definitely gonna do that. And then somebody also had an awesome idea. And this is, I have, I don't know if I should tell you people this, but I'm going to, because I'm 12. Somebody was like, you should do a show on what happens when the Pope dies. Oh, I've got it ready. I just gonna wait till he dies. Is that terrible? And I don't mean it like I want him to die. I don't want him to, well, I want him to die. That's a normal human thing. I hope he doesn't die soon. But it's just kind of funny, like, to sit there and know I'm ready for the Pope's death. I'm ready for two things. One, to tell you about what happens now. And two, I'm ready to take the call. You know, I, whenever a Pope dies. Can you skip a level? Oh, sure. I mean, for me, probably for the other priests, no. But I'm so humble, they'll probably let me jump. But the funny thing is. You have to be a cardinal. I think so, but if so, they'll just make you a cardinal the day before. Gotcha. Yeah, like St. Uh, Ambrose wasn't even a priest when they made him Bishop of Milan. Get that. I don't even know if he was a believer. Um, uh, the process made him holy. Uh, it, maybe we should talk about that someday. Ambrose has a fascinating story. You could argue that Ambrose's approach to the secular government changed the way, altered the way the church related to government, I think you could say more than anybody. Like at that point, the church stayed out of it. Ambrose was like, oh, not me. He was Bishop of Milan, and he converted Augustine, right? He's the guy who baptized Augustine. In fact, you know what? Can you help me remember? We should do a show on Ambrose, because some people hate him. Even the people who like him, some of them hate him. They like him because he was ridiculously holy and brilliant and brave, brave, guys, brave, to the point of psychotic, it felt like sometimes. But some who love him as a saint do get irritated at, like, he does some bad things as bishop, right? But anyway, blah, blah, blah. All this to say, he went from unchurched to priest, or deacon, priest, bishop, I think in 24 hours. I think. Um, well, actually, I, I don't think. I just read and memorize. 
But so, yeah, we could do stuff. We could do crazy stuff. And what was the other thing? Uh, come Holy Spirit. Good Popes, Bad Popes. There was something else. Oh, and then Dead Popes. And there's like 240 of those. Um, but uh, I don't know what I'm going to say now. Oh, and there's a rumor I know in the media. The Pope's going to retire. Uh, no, he's not. That guy ain't letting go. Right? He. I don't know if you remember. When he was made Pope, he said, pray for two things for me. Is this two? Yes. Or five because it's Latin. I want you to pray for five things. Uh, he said, one, pray that I live long enough to do the mission God gave me. And I don't think he's done. Uh, two, he said, pray that I listen to God's voice above all the others, especially the best ones. One of the best lines ever. Uh, that alone, I was like, I think I like this cat. Um, so there we are. Why did I go there? Do you remember? Just talking about Pope Paris. Oh, Pope Paris. So what do you think? I think we should call it Pope Paris. And we could see if we get, could get sponsorship from Pope Sacola. <laughs> Did anyone laugh at that? And when I, guys, just a little thing. When I say to you, did anyone laugh at that? That's your cue. And you might think, well, Father, it's not funny. Uh, I'll be the judge of that. So uh, what are we going to do then? What are we going to do? What show... What we do when I don't have a ton of time to research? Well, one of the things we heard pretty consistently is that right at the beginning, I mean, way back in March when the quarantine hit. Are people laughing now? No. Too late, people. You should anticipate. You should... <laughs> You should, like, just assume. Father's probably going to say something funny in two minutes. And then, ha-ha's. Okay, so when I first started this, of course, we didn't think it was going to be a show. This was just kind of a, hey, folks are hurting. The quarantine's crazy. It's a great time to catechize. Let's go. And so one of the first things I did was the sacraments. Right? Am I thinking right? Yep. Yeah. And since then, we've had a lot of sacramental questions. So what we're going to do is restart the sacraments part. I'm going to do a show right now on the sacraments. Right now. And then uh, we're going to start plowing through the sacraments. But of course, we're going to intersperse them. We're, we're not going to do seven straight weeks of sacraments. Um, some will take a whole show. Some won't. Anointing of the sick will take me 10 minutes. Because then I kill a person and take their wallet. Was that out loud? Be honest and say no. So... Uh, <laughs> I got to tell you real quick before we get serious, if we're ever going to. Yesterday, whenever Monday was, when was Monday? Do you remember? Two days ago, uh, Dad and I went to a Tigers game, and we had a great time. Tigers lost, but we had a great time. So, with that important announcement, remember that tomorrow, 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 Lindsay Moore is coming here, and I do love this woman, and I can't wait for you to meet her. Um, Lindsay Moore is the Midwest Regional Director of Family Promise. I swear to God, I almost said Planned Parenthood. What? If she was the Regional Director of Planned Parenthood, we would not be having her on here to talk. We would be having her on here for an exorcism. Uh, so anyway, Lindsay Moore, the Midwest Regional Director of Family Promise. What is Family Promise? I'm going to let her explain it to you, but better. But in a nutshell, it's a way Christian churches can assist people who need help in a very tangible and life-giving way. Uh, and I'm geeked out for you to hear about this and for you to meet her, right? As Catholics, 
Our pro-life isn't just, excuse this, just the womb, right? We love us some human dignity. And this is all about human dignity. And plus, she's an extraordinary woman. Then on Friday, 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 we will be, I do that well. Don't you think? Yes. No, dad said no. Carrie said yes. Carrie's drunk, dad sober. I'm going to believe dad. On Friday, we're going to do our Q&A live from St. John in Plymouth, the former seminary. Now I think it's just called The Inn. The Inn. Does sound like it could be a good horror movie. <laughs> in a world. They always use, remember, they always used to start movie previews with the line, in a world where justice is, I don't know. So uh, I'm a little sillier than usual today, do you think? Or is this normal silly? <laughs> okay, so let's start talking about sacraments. Um, what I want us to remember is that as Catholics, we are sacramental people. We buy this. We believe that this is the means Jesus gave us as ways to receive grace from him when and where we need them most. So a great way to think of this, a great way, always goes back to what I just mentioned Sunday, and I'm going to mention it a lot because I'm learning a lot of us don't know this, and it's kind of key to the whole Catholic thing, and I literally mean this, that as humans, we are body-soul unities, right? This is really, really important to us. We are body-soul unities. What does that mean? It means that we never talk about our bodies as a shell. They're not a shell. They're sacred. They're someday going to go to heaven or hell. But uh, that's why we have rules about our bodies. We understand that the human person is body and soul. Uh, so you may have heard that quote. Uh, it's usually misattributed to C.S. Lewis. Um, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Right? And that's a great way to think about it. But it's not C.S. Lewis. That was, I think, George MacDonald, who was a teacher of C.S. Lewis and an influence. And he's dead. Both body and... No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I, better, I better rein it in today. Right. I'm going to rein it in today. I'm not going to rein it in today. So as people who understand that God created us to be a body-soul unity, it has an impact on a lot of things. Like, think of it this way. My dog, Marius, he's a body. An angel is a spirit. A human is the thing in between, right? We're matter and spirit, okay? Uh, what is our soul? It's what animates us. It's what unites the functions of the brain. It's, uh, I, I think I told you about this. We're in seminary. We had a neurosurgeon come in and tell us, and it was kind of crazy. I'd never heard of this or never thought of it, I guess, because I didn't know I had a brain. I had one of those, is it a CAT scan? Did I tell you about this? Where uh, they showed it to me afterward, and it looked like I had a little Wookiee in fetal position in my skull. And they were like, no, that's your brain. I'm like, it looks like a, a Wookiee in fetal position. Or not, oh, an Ewok. It looks like an Ewok. And fe okay, it's going to be that kind of day. I'm sorry. If you're listening to this for quality catechesis, it might not happen today. It will. 
So we have charted out the brain, right? Uh, they know what every little part of it does. I remember the pons as the thing that has to do with dreaming. I remember that. And then I remember the medulla oblongata because of the Billy Madison movie, or the Adam Sandler movie. Um, the medulla oblongata. Um, I, you know, I remember some parts of it, but here's the key. We don't know what unites the functions of the brain, what makes them work together. Uh, and as Christians, we would say, well, it's all the part of us that can't be seen. Okay. So as body, soul, unities, what sacraments do is address both. Okay. They address both our body and our soul because we understand they're made to be together. How are we doing so far? Even with you guys just screwing around, we're getting there. So what do we have? Seven sacraments, we believe, instituted by Jesus, each one of them. And they're a means for God to give us grace in a unique way for that time in our life and all the times afterward. And we have seven. We have baptism. We have uh, confession or reconciliation or absolution or partridge in a pear tree. We have communion. We have confirmation. We have marriage. We have anointing of the sick. And we have holy orders. We got seven of those puppies. Six for girls, seven for boys. Do you know about that? No. Do you know, know Bishop Pavish was doing a question and answer series with a bunch of little squeakers? And he said, how many sacraments are there? And this girl raised her hand and said, six for girls, seven for boys. I know. You know she's an Adrian Dominican now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was that out loud? This is going to be that kind of day. So anyway, uh... Although, technically, the seventh sacrament, holy orders, that's for everybody, right? I didn't become a priest for me, right? I did it, for, theoretically, for everybody. So I did but Too soon? Too soon. Oh, I thought you said too soon. I was like, no, Carrie, they decided this a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I should. Remember, I keep saying I'll do that show on women priests. Why doesn't the church ordain women? Um, and it's taking me hours. I mean, like it's, it's a deep question. I mean, they're shallow, not shallow. There's easy, quick answers, but I'd rather help you see it in light of an entire understanding of the church's view of herself. And that really is the key. Part of it is that the church believes she's female, right? That's huge to this equation. But anyway, what are we doing? Sacraments. So God gave us these seven sacraments as places in our life where he meets us. And, and we're going to go through them one at a time. But first, I want to talk to us a bit about them. In every sacrament, there's the thing that you have to do for it to work. Okay. Um, so, for example, if I want to baptize someone, quote unquote, all I have to do is say, you know, uh, Gordon Krupp, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and I need to have water, and I need to say those words. Now, if you look at baptism, it's much longer than that. Not when the person's dying. I've done a few of those, right? Um, but that, I always mess this up, that's the form. The form has to happen for the sacrament to work. And then there's the matter. What do you need for a baptism? Well, you need water, you need a human, and you need someone to convey the sacrament. Okay, that's it. Um, and in each thing, there's a physical thing that happens 
to convey the invisible thing that's happening. Why? Because we're body, soul, unities. So, for example, um, <clears throat> you know, in baptism, it's the water. Right? In baptism, it's water. If you go to reconciliation, the only words really the priest has to say after you confess your sins, after you are given a penance, I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But we do say a long prayer. Why? Well, why not? It's a beautiful prayer. God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of the church, may God grant you pardon and peace. And I absolve you of all of your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That has to happen. Uh, and what is the physical thing? Well, it's the hands, it's the sign of the cross, it's, uh, we'll go through all that. Okay, we'll go through all of it. But I want to run us through a few things that I notice keep coming up more and more. One is, and this actually came from a book I wrote, read called uh, Adam's Return. And what that book talked about is how America has deculturalized herself. Uh, it talked about a lot of things, but basically this. They talked about there was a tribe in, in India where they had this ritual where when a boy was becoming a man, part of what would happen is dad would take him out to the woods and teach him how to make his first axe. And he would make his first axe with his dad, and then he'd cut down a tree. And it was this beautiful, cool ritual. Well, what the Brits knew when they got there was, well, we have better axes. So they just gave them all these good axes. And it literally led to a collapse of their society. Why? Well, they had a ritual. And rituals are important. Um... Ritual is important. I, some of our brother, Protestant brothers and sisters get mad at us about our rituals. And to some extent, I'm learning I get it better than I thought I would have. Um, and we'll talk about why in a minute. But ritual is important. We all have filled our life with ritual, and there's no sin in that. In fact, there's great blessing in it. Why? Because that's a human thing. And God sanctified the non-sinful human experience. Right? Joseph and Jesus had little rituals. Right? Joseph and Mary had little rituals. You know, one of them, I know for sure, it was that if there was a fight, Joseph was wrong. Did I tell you that? That would suck, right? So you get home, your son is God, and your wife is without sin. You're wrong. I mean, any disagreement, you're wrong. Yeah, on one level that's easier, right? Because you don't have to think about it much. You're just like, well, well I was wrong. How do I know? Because I thought different than them. This has nothing to do with our topic. Rituals are huge. Rituals are important. And the fact that we don't have rituals in our culture, a lot of people say that's part of the problem, right? That we've taken parenting and family and we keep replacing it with the state. We say to the school, raise our kids. And then we're surprised when they don't raise them the way we want, right? And, and homecoming and prom have become so much bigger than anything the church makes. And it's for, I think, a real simple reason. We've demystified our sacraments. We've treated them like cultural rituals. And as cultural rituals, they're not very good ones. <laughs> they're just not. 
It's like uh, Flannery O'Connor said, if the Eucharist is just a symbol, it's a really bad one, right? It's an awful symbol. Um, so what we recognize is that these rituals are important. And we recognize that Jesus, knowing the human condition, remember John, he knew the human condition. He knew it all too well. I love that. Jesus gave us rituals through the church by, and, and their means by which he gives us his grace. Is this making sense? Yes. Is this boring? Nope. Carrie's sound asleep. But I don't know if it's because I'm boring or because of the booze. I really don't. I can't tell. Um, so one of the things that we want to be careful of is of treating the sacraments as only cultural. And we want to be aware of something called Donatism. So we're going to hit these two things. Okay. And not just Donatism. Sorry, I forgot to type that. Holy cow. Not just Donatism. Hold on. But, um, what's his name? The Bishop, not Arius, Pelagianism. Wow. Okay. I can't believe I forgot to type Pelagianism. Okay, so why do we need to be aware of reducing them to cultural rituals? Two reasons. One, they're not. They're not culture, cultural rituals. They're spiritual rituals. And as spiritual rituals, they're phenomenal. As cultural rituals, not so much. One of the best things I learned when I was in campus ministry at MSU where Jesus went to school is that there was this campus minister who gave this great talk and he said, never try to out-entertain the world. You'll lose every time. If your ministry is pizza and parties, you're going to lose. You can't do pizza and parties better than the world. You have to focus your ministry on the thing you got that the world don't. Isn't that great? Did I tell you this? I, I just, that blew me away. This guy gave a phenomenal talk and it, it just astounded me. Never reduce youth ministry to pizza, pizza and parties because they can get more pizza and better parties somewhere else. Yeah. So we want to be careful about reducing it. And I hear this, right? And confirmations when you become an adult in the church. No, the church says that's first communion. Did you know that? Ooh. Yeah. The age of reason. They call seven the age of reason. That's how you know the church is run by celibates. <laughs> yeah. When they're like, hey, the seven-year-old's attained the age of reason. And his mom's going, have you met a seven-year-old? <laughs> Mine eats bugs. <laughs> by choice. Um, so that's one side. The other side, we want to be careful of two things. And these are going to be kind of strange words, but stick with me. Okay. Donatism or donatism, depending on who you ask, it's spelled just like it sounds. And Pelagianism. Oof. What is donatism? D-O-N-A-T-I-S-M. Donatism was this heresy that popped up when people started to realize that some priests are bad dudes. Okay. Um, and here's the formal definition that I can do this. The efficacy of the sacrament is contingent on the sanctity of its minister. That's how the church talks. What does it mean? The sacrament only works if you got a good priest. That's Donatism, right? And we, why am I bringing this up? Cause this is a real, it's reemerged and I get it. It's reemerged because people are finding out, heck, we're all finding out. And I'm going to tell you, nobody was more surprised than priests how wicked some of our brothers are. Right? Just astoundingly wicked priests. They happen. 
And sometimes people get married and then years later they read that that priest was arrested and they wonder, did my marriage count? The answer is no. I'm just kidding. Uh, or people will read about this priest who's going to jail. He baptized my kid and he was a serial rapist. Did the, what do we do? Do we rebaptize? Nope. Nope. It worked. Because if it's dependent on the priest's holiness, then no sacrament will work. None of us are as holy as Jesus. I know a couple guys close. Oh, I ain't one. Um, does this make, this is an issue for people. And if you found this, if you found out that a priest who prayed one of your sacraments with you was evil or is no longer a priest, um, fear not. It worked. And it didn't work or not work because of the priest. It worked because of Jesus, who's bigger than the priest. Yeah? Okay. So we want to be careful of Donatism when it comes to sacraments. <clears throat> we had people who um, Bishop Earl had to make a hard, hard choice many years ago to merge a couple parishes. And people were so mad. Well, I don't want my kid confirmed by him. Okay, that's Donatism. Right. Well, I don't like him. He's not a good bishop. Yes, he is a good bishop. And it doesn't matter if he is. He's a bishop. And if he does it, it works. Okay. And I get that this is easier to say than to live. Uh, at the risk of drama, and I've hinted at this, I, have, I grew up with some profoundly bad priests. Grew up with some great ones. And grew up with some terrible ones. The second one is a lot more common, and I don't think this one will ever go away. Uh, and it's Pelagianism, okay? P-E-L-A-G-I-A-N-I-S-M, Pelagianism. Yep, that's uh, named after a bishop named Pelagius. The church does not, is not always the most creative. Right? You know, why did we call it Pelagianism? Because Pelagius. So what is Pelagianism? It has, it's a lot of things, but in the end, it's the idea that I can, again, I'm hypersimplifying, I can earn my salvation. Right? I can take the first steps without Jesus. It's a lack of recognition that it's all about Jesus. So where do we see Pelagianism? I've been a member of this church for 20 years and I've given money and my son better get confirmed. Pelagianism, right? Let's go the other direction. The priest saying, well, if your son wants to be confirmed, we've created a 73 year program with 32 hours of service work so that he can earn it. That's Pelagianism, right? Both of those are bad and every variation in between is bad. I often think Catholic priests are the worst at Pelagianism. I do. And I don't think we mean to be, but in the end, what it comes down to is this. I'll tell you as a priest, this happens all the time, and I'll use marriage as an example. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us here today. Do you remember this? Yes. The Princess Bride? Yes. And love, true love. <laughs> Does anyone remember this? Love and the glue that bind us together. So when a priest does marriage, like so at my last parish, because here we spread it out a bit, it was just me. So here's what would happen. A couple would come in that 
had been in church for their confirmation, you know, 10 years before, 20 years before, but not since. And they tell you, I want to get married in the church because I'm Catholic-ish. So then you work out the church calendar, which is a hassle, right? It's a glorious hassle, by the way, right? Any a wedding is a good thing. Uh, and then you literally bend your schedules 90 ways from Sunday to try to get a bunch of meetings with them. And every couple of marriage prep tells you the same thing. Oh, we can meet anytime Tuesday through Thursday after 7 p.m. Yeah, I had two parishes, so I had two finance councils, two parish councils, two. I was in a meeting every night at seven, right? I came up with some pretty creative stuff. And so then you work your butt off, you do all the paperwork, you do all the prep, and you feel like, at least if you're like me, you form this bond. You're like, I like these two. And then you do the wedding and you never see them again. They have nothing to do with the church again until they have their first baby, right? Now that's hard. I won't lie to you, it's hard. Uh, especially for a guy like me who really tries to bond with these couples. And it's not always the case, by the way. Um, sometimes you see them again and it's like such, oh, praise God. What it feels like is you're getting used. That's what it feels like. And objectively, sometimes you are. Now, what I figured out early on by God's grace and from a holy priest is, I started to fall into the trap a lot of priests do. I'm gonna make you earn it, right? You're not gonna use me. And we even sometimes as priests use language like protect the sacrament. I'm gonna protect the guy who let us kill him, right? And all we're doing, at least in my case, what I learned and with a lot of priests I'm talking to, it's all pride. It's pride. You're not gonna use me. Why not? I use God all the time and he's never rejected me. I pray harder when I feel I need God than I do pray when I don't think I need him. When do I need him? All the time. But you get my point. That's where I find my tribe accidentally falls into this and it's the worst with confirmation. If you ask me again, well, no, I don't know if it's the worst, but where we just pile and pile and pile all these obligations to make them earn it. I too fret about the fact that we have now four generations of kids who've learned early sports practice. You can't miss church. You can, that's no problem, right? I've learned to deal with that and it, it bums me out, but I can't see I'd be any different if I had a kid. I can't imagine the pressure. I'm learning about social pressure among parents. It's wild what you people have to endure. We were driving, in fact, through the, uh, a subdivision the other day in Grand Blank, and it was like perfect lawn, perfect lawn, perfect lawn, and then not perfect, but nice, and I thought, that guy feels it, right? I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd be like, look at my stinky lawn. Yours looks good now. But anyway, yeah, that's what I got for you on Pelagianism. We want to be careful about pretending we can earn the sacrament. And that goes for priests, DREs, religious ed teachers, and parents, and sacrament receivers. And I don't know, I always feel dirty after the ones, like this always comes up in funerals, right? Have you seen this? Where it's like, 
The letter starts, the email starts with this much about how my parents went to church here for 40 years. They're giving members, they give money every week, and we want you to bury them. It's like, well, first, are they dead? Because if not, I'm not burying them. Turns out that's illegal. Uh, but it's like, what happened to us as a church that people feel they have to write that? Right. And I'm not blaming the people who write the email. I'm blaming us. What are we doing? And here's other things it looks like. What's the sacrament? Anointing of the sick. Father, uh, my mom is in the hospital. She needs an anointing. If the first question is, are you a registered parishioner? Your answer is, not for long. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. And I know I do. There will be some priests who will get mad at me. I don't care. They're mad at me all the time anyway. Right? Jesus doesn't do that to you. Right? And, oh my gosh, I can't tell you. And I, don't, I, I assume people aren't lying. Well, I'm sorry I called you, but we live over here. And this priest said we're not registered parishioners. So now mom gets to die alone, right? Oh my Lord. If you don't want Jesus to do it to you, don't do it to other people. And that comes from Jesus. Remember this? The measure with which you measure others, said the Lord, will be measured back to you. However you and I measure others, that's how he'll measure us. Holy crap. And I'm going for max mercy. Maximum mercy. Maximum love. Maximum service. Even as a sinner. Right? Completely broken sinner. So, I have told people, seriously, what do I say if my priest, if the priest says if I'm a registered prisoner? Just tell them not for long. Right? If that's your standard, fine. But you, you don't check with me before you count my money. Okay, sorry. But I'm getting a little, okay. I mean, think about it the opposite, right? Uh, Father, I'd, I'd love to help you with whatever you need, but I haven't seen you at my house, so no thanks. Right? Ah. And again, okay, stop. I'm going to do the whole protecting the sacraments thing. Knock it off. Do we want people prepared? Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh, that's huge. I can't. Have, have you ever got a gift and you didn't quite know what it was? Uh, and you used it wrong. You know, that's what prep prepares you for. You're going to receive grace. We want to maximize your ability to process that grace intellectually as well as emotionally. So when it's baptism, I want to make sure that mom and dad understand that family understand you're making vows to God. And those are a big deal. I checked. You're promising God standing before our Lord and saying, I will raise this child according to the laws of Christ and his church. Uh, Mom and dad, it is your duty to raise this child in the practice of the faith, teaching him to love God as Jesus has taught us. Do you clearly understand this? Those are, those are heavy questions. So yeah, we need to prep people. Oh my gosh, I'm not talking about just spray and pray sacramental work, but I'm talking about... Uh, we don't want to make it, if you want the sacrament, you have to do what I say. What if our approach was really simple? This sacrament is a great gift, and to prepare you for it, here's what we're going to get after. And if we pile on so we don't get used, we're in trouble as priests. I believe that. 
I really do. Um, so anyway, how are we doing? Any questions? Couple? Okay. So, oh, and that was the other one. I totally forgot, totally off the topic. You know another one I want to do? I want to do a show on the Battle of Lepanto. Okay. Yeah. So with that, I think that's all the, gosh, that's all the intro. So whenever- Sister Teresa wants to come work here at Holy Family. Sister Teresa, our, my Teresa? My Sister Teresa? Come work for me! We would be co-workers. We would be. Oh my gosh, woman, do you know how much trouble we'd get in? So are you moving tomorrow or do you need the weekend? She's a Canadian. I think you have to get like a, some kind of, like, aren't they like under some kind of fascist regime? Yeah. Aren't you guys like under some kind of fascist happy regime like Trudeau's, or not Trudeau, is that his name? He seems happy, but like a fascist. I don't know. Anyway, happy fascists. Hey, we're going to kill your whole family. Come on over. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. That wasn't funny. Time to drink some water. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at the sacraments, and I want to give us a couple images of those, and then we'll kind of get after each sacrament individually, but probably not this show. Okay? So... <clears throat> Oh, there is a question? There are a couple. It hasn't popped up on me, on me, my, my thing. Okay, can a lay person... Ignore that one because I'm oh. baptism. What's the history behind the prayer of absolution? Why did Jesus descend into hell? Um, this, the oh, those are the other ones. So the prayer of absolution, what's the history? Do you want to know? Yeah. Me too. I should look it up. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like the meal prayer. Uh, you just do it. You know, I do remember, this is true, my first time hearing confessions, right? Like, sit down for hours and hear confessions. And that's when I realized, uh, I don't have it memorized. Because it's not like you walk around seminary saying it. I mean, those are sacred remember, and special words. Do you remember your... St. Gerard. The first confession you heard? No. I mean, no, I, I'm not saying. No, but I don't even remember. If, so it's nothing. No clue. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, it's like a kid or an older person. No, not even a guess. Mom. Or, you know, when you're a priest, like that first year, you're vaguely aware it happened. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're like, I think I existed from like 98 to 2000, but I don't recall. Um, I do remember truly. Do you think you were more nervous than the person? No. Oh, okay. They, you know what they did in seminary? They did these things called practicums. Have I ever told you about these? These were some of the best pranks we pulled on each other in seminary. Uh, but there's these things in seminary called practicums. And what they are is a Latin word for practices. And only seminary would do that. Like, they never said cafeteria. They were like, the refectory. I'm like, you mean the cafeteria? It's refectory. What is refectory? It's the Latin word for cafeteria. Uh... <laughs> We tried to Latin everything. Uh, and I get it, by the way. Holy cow. Uh, so anyway, what were we talking about? St. Gerard, Father John Klein, best priest ever. Um, I literally am walking into the confessional. And of course, I'm like, do, 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 Mr. Big Pants Man, I was so happy. I'm going to absolve some sins, you know. And then I sit down and I'm like, I don't know how. So I ran back to my room and got the rights book and I read the prayer. 
And I like posted it to my wall in the confessional for two years. And I, but uh, practicums at seminary are when you literally practice doing the sacraments. Like we had a baptismal font and we had a little baby, a little plastic baby. And one of the fun things we would do is coat it in baby oil and it would shoot out of the guy's hands. Truly. Um, but for penance, people would get a script and come in and, you know, you would listen to their confession and offer stuff. Um, in fact, you know, here's a good, can I tell you this too? I don't know if you'll find this a good story. I think it's hilarious. But so I, I will never forget this one. So the rector of the seminary was not Vigneron. Or no, Vigneron was the rector, but he wasn't teaching the class. The class was being taught by another bishop who shall not be named, who was a little bit of a hoity-toity. You know, he was like, I don't think he'd ever been in a fight in his life. Like, I think like when he was in fifth grade, he was negotiating peace treaties, you know. You know, um, and... <laughs> I don't know. He was just that guy. He always talked about, well, what amenities will be available? And you're like, what, what? Um, it's a true story. So he was our prof and the guy came in and read his script. Now there was a screen, so we couldn't see who they were. Right. And you know, all I remember is that this guy had stole stuff from GM. He worked at GM and he stole stuff. And I'm like, that's not a sin. <laughs> no. Uh, but so, you know, they told us, treat this like it's real. And they filmed it and they critiqued you, right? You were in a booth being filmed. And I did what I would have done. I started asking, have you ever done this before? No. Have you ever stolen anything in your life? You know, you know kid stuff. No, I'm horrified by myself. What do I do? Okay. And so then I was like, been working more hours than usual lately. And basically I was trying to get to why. Like when you do something random, it's usually not random. Like your brain's doing something. And in the end, I was like, I think you're tired, bro. Your judgment's shot. Like his, his script told me when I was asking follow-up questions that he'd been working seven days a week for three weeks. I was like, stop. Don't take overtime for a little while. You know, this is your penance. Spend a night with your wife. Take her out for something nice. Spend some of that money you made on overtime and miss a day of work. Get sick. Right. And remember why you love your wife. Remember why you love your kids and remember why you're grateful for your job. So when we were done, this uh, bishop, call him Bob. OK, he was like, well, never heard anyone get a day off as a penance for stealing something uh, from work. And I said, you ever work in a factory? No. Have you ever had a job besides priest? No. I went. There you go. And I got thrown out. Like, I wasn't even trying to be funny. It was like, well, of course you don't get it. You've never, like, done that. And you could tell. It was a little... But literally, it was like, you have to leave. <laughs> okay. But the good news is I was fifth year, so they don't kick you out after fifth year. I mean, unless you murder someone. I think. I mean, I think if you murdered someone. Okay, so uh, yeah, you practice. You practice, like Alan Iverson. We talk about practice. Um, and we do that for every sacrament. You practice weddings, baptisms. Uh, you practice anointing of the sick. And I'll tell you a crazy one I learned. Uh, Father Greg, come Holy Spirit. His name eludes me. Beautiful, holy Detroit priest. That guy taught me a lot. 
But what he did, and this was so ingenious, uh, he had us, there was an empty dorm room from seminary. And so he had one of us lay on the bed and then somebody come in and anoint them. And when you're the guy laying on the bed, here's what I learned, that's rough. When there's just this person towering over you. So if you've ever seen me do a sit call, you know I get on the floor. My knees hurt, but I just don't wanna be that guy. If it's possible, right? Sometimes all the equipment or death is coming quick, whatever it might be, uh, if it's humanly possible, I get down low because my God, I will, like I actually had a panic reaction to laying on the bed and having this dude just towering over me. It's not a comfortable thing. Um, so that was something I learned in a practicum. Um, marriages, there's a lot, like if a priest does a marriage, a wedding rehearsal right, you won't notice it, but there's a lot of, okay, I need to move them from that place to that place and she has a train, right? So I learned like the first time Jamie saw me do it, she was laughing at how much I knew about dresses. And I'm like, I am the most knowledgeable, non-gay redneck when it comes to dresses in the world. I'm like, well, that train is so, so and I remember I was showing the bride, this is how you turn and sit so that when you, you know, I know this. It's distressing. Uh, so the practicums really do help you. And where I thought they were particularly helpful is they had priests working in parishes come and do them. That's important. So it wasn't another example of the seminary giving you the ideal. It was a great example of the seminary giving you the lived practice of the ideal, which is tough, right? It, it, not tough. You got to bend your brain a little. We prayed mass that way, right? With, with hosts and wine and, you know, in normal circumstances, it would quite literally be illegal, right? For a non-priest to pretend to pray mass, not in a fun way, right? You know, that's fine. Uh, but we did because, you know, they wanted to make sure your hands are right, make sure your body's right, make sure you're doing it right. We practiced homilies and they brought in people. Did I tell you the Al Pacino story? That Al Pacino heard one of my homilies? I'm dead serious. Okay. So one of the, do they care? Is this isn't yes. important at all? Okay. Um, so one of the things they did is you got closer and closer. Once you got ordained a deacon, the church says you can preach at mass. So they would send us to Detroit parishes that were ready for us. They would say, Joe's going to preach at St. Schleblas this weekend at two masses. And at those two masses were eight professional public speakers who were there taking notes and offering you critiques, and that was all part of your grade. Okay, am I making sense? Yes. Are people bored? Is no. this stupid? Okay, so this is a true story. Jerry Battersby, who's now a bishop in Detroit and one of the best humans I've ever met. He was one of those guys, when they put a pointy hat on his head, I went, good. Like that's the guy we all would have picked. Just holy, smart, tough the man's bulletproof but he's tender too i don't mean to oh i love him so um oh yeah people digging this okay good so he and i it was seminary so you don't get out much at that point and we thought well let's go to a one o'clock movie i was preaching the four o'clock mass and we went and saw a movie where al pacino played literally the devil and that movie unnerved me 
it really unnerved me. And we were both driving to Mass. We were like, okay, bad decision. Yeah, don't go see a movie. We, and we didn't know. We just saw a movie with Al Pacino called Devil's Advocate. And we were like, sweet. That movie was messed up. It was a good movie, but not like, hey, this was fun to watch. So this is a true story. We get there. I preach the four o'clock mass and the pastor pulls me aside and says, you'll never guess who's here to evaluate your homily. And up walks Al Pacino who I just saw play the devil, and I may have died. Like, I was like, this ain't right. And the only thing I could think was, he's taller than I thought, right? Uh, Pacino's tiny, uh, and this guy was maybe 5'8", so he wasn't tiny. Well, anyway, it turns out he's Al Pacino's double. He goes, and uh, yeah, he's his stand-in. And he looks exactly like him. He says, I'm asked for his autograph all the time. But it wasn't Al Pacino. Just looked exactly like him. Didn't sound anything like him. Oh, wow. All right. But uh, why am I telling this story? Oh, this is all part of the practices. And I don't know if they still do it. They've changed a lot since I left. They took out the ministerial year, which I think was the biggest mistake ever. Um, but that's just my opinion. I mean, what do I know? Uh, the ministerial year was a year you took to live in a parish and work. Um... And I, I don't know, they just stopped doing it. And I swear more guys left the priesthood. Because you really do need that. In my opinion, you need that year. Because whatever you think priesthood is, it's different. It's different than you think. It's a lot more emotional than you think, to me at least. I wasn't ready for how emotional it is. I wasn't ready for how fast you have to change your brain. I wasn't ready for the fact that you're asked dozens of questions. I wasn't ready for a lot, you know, uh, and that year, oh, Nora Kessel, Bishop Battersby is my cousin. I tell you, Nora, I would not, and I'm telling you, I'm looking at you, I would not have got, I'm going to get emotional. I wouldn't have got through seminary without him, and I mean that. And I don't know if you were at his dad's funeral. That was me. I was the guy up there at the altar. Jerry wasn't ordained yet. I got ordained first because I'm holier. Um, and I was with his dad when he died. And um, I love Jerry. I do. I love Bishop Battersby. And I know, I think it, like church militants wrote a couple nasty things about him. Guys, whatever they're saying, he's a good, good, honest, prayerful, holy man. Um, and I'm amazed at how easily Catholics slander just because they don't like what he does. Um, we, we either want leaders or we don't. You know, I'm serious. We either want leaders or we don't. 90% of the time when people, we need priests and bishops to take leadership, they don't want them to. They want them to do what they say. And they call that leadership. Ah, thank you, Nora. I love your cousin. He is a holy and righteous man. Um, and I thank the Lord for him. Ah, Nora had no idea. So Mike and Brandon and Terry and Chris and oh my gosh, Eddie. Uh, did I say Michael? Um, I know them all. I know them all. What a ridiculously cool family and how neat that you're a part of it. I'm missing somebody. Mike, Brian, Eddie, Chris. Jerry, and I'm missing. And then there's Terry 
a couple of them, I think, watch the show sometimes. Oh, really? Chris. Oh, nice. Um, in fact, there's a priest in Saginaw Diocese whom I revere, Father Randy Kelly. Patty. Patty. I'm sorry, Patty. She's so sweet. Um, uh, Randy Kelly. Father Randy Kelly was a lawyer, and he went in court against Mike Battersby once, before he was a priest. Okay, how are we? Good. Um, okay, so I'm sorry. I feel like I kind of, but anyway, whatever. We did what we did. Um, and I don't think you learned anything, but I hope you had fun. And what we'll do tomorrow is introduce uh, to you Lindsay Moore, a ridiculously wonderful woman. I can't wait for you to meet her. I can't wait for you to hear about this beautiful ministry she does. And what we'll do now is kind of cherry pick through the sacraments, okay? And in each one, I'll give you a little reminder because there will be gaps, you know, and I'm always going to remind you body, soul, unities, and I'm going to remind you of form and matter, right? What needs to happen. Uh, and I'm going to give you a sense of uh, then what we we do in the sacrament and what kind of prep I think would help us. So until that day, I will see you tomorrow. And uh, again, please hang in there. I am putting the stuff together for the Pope Paris and what Battle of Lepanto, Ambrose. I mean, we really thought of some good topics today. Uh, and at some point, I'm going away. Aren't I on convocation? You will be. There's a couple of things that you're doing in okay. the next couple of months. So. That's right. Like, So I do have two big things coming up. We'll give you lots of warnings. We'll try to put shows in the can, right? So that you can watch them even though it won't be live. Uh, I'm doing the convocation for the priests in Green Bay. And I'm doing our convocation. I'm not speaking of that one. They'd rather be shot. But I'll be attending it. Uh, what are convocations? These are, uh, the church law requires priests to gather around their bishop, uh, I think every other year or every year. We do it every year. And we hear talks about the fact that we're fat um, and uh, talks about prayer and all kinds. We do. It's hilarious. Every year they have to get someone up and be like, y'all are fat. And then you got the priests that aren't. And I hate them. Kenny Schnicks. <laughs> yeah, I hear one of them got up to 12 pounds. I don't want to. But who was it? There was a priest. Actually, I won't say his name. But he was one of those priests who was never in a parish. Right. Uh, he was he was they had high hopes for him and it didn't happen. But uh, so he was one of those guys who was kind of big on, you know, y'all are getting fat. You need to knock it off. You guys need to lose weight. And then he got his first parish assignment. And I'll never forget after a year, he called me and he was like, bro, I'm getting fat. He was always like in perfect shape, but he had time like he would exercise every day. And I was anyway. So. Uh, <laughs> I am so out of it today. Tomorrow, I hope you guys didn't hate this. If you did, let's blame Carrie. Uh, tomorrow, we'll meet Lindsay. Friday, you'll see the inn in Plymouth. Let's wrap this puppy up with a prayer that you recover from this wasted hour of your life. <laughs> was it not? No. I feel like I was just kind of... No, I guess I said some things in there that were educational. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you so much for the beauty of sacraments. Thank you that you meet us in our lives. I, I love that you didn't wait for us to come to you, but you ran to our rescue. Father, you know us priests, we're trying, but our pride gets in the way, our wounds get in the way, and we're so sorry for anyone who's hurt by our sinfulness. And Lord, 
we ask that you please strengthen our conviction in the wonder and beauty of the sacraments so that we can not only be grateful for them, but receive them with great joy. We love you so very much, and we trust you. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hasta mañana, peeps. Is it over? No, it's never over.